All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, is my right-hand man, Lou. Appreciate you, sir. Lou, we're here to recap week 10 of the 2022 NFL season. We are returning from a, a after a mutually agreed-upon bye week where we did not report back um, and recap week 9. In full disclosure to our audience, Lou was out working on his notorious B.I.G. impersonation <laughs> at a work event, singing some karaoke. I got video evidence of this that I have not shared yet, but is saved for a rainy day for this audience. I did <laughs> so not Lou, know you were going to bring. Wow. OK, OK, OK. Well, listen, our fans know you wore a biggie jersey to the show. We, we know you're a fan and. You know, you know where my allegiance sits based on what's behind me. So there was no way I wasn't going to take a shot at that one. Real quick, we won't talk about the company I work for. Let's keep that under wraps. But that being said, uh, it was a karaoke event uh, for the team outing. And everyone was doing safe songs, your 80s, your 90s, your Bon Jovi, you know, uh, and stuff like that. And it was open bar. And I had some liquid courage. And you would think that, like, hey, you know, woo, would it like people like egg, egg, egg you on to go ahead and jump on stage? No, I just wanted to hear some hip hop because there was a, a not a single ounce of hip hop being played. So I go up to the DJ and I was like, hey, can I can you play Juicy from Biggie? And he, go, and then he makes a face. He goes. Sure about that? Goes, yeah. You know, um, probably about 10 drinks. The You know, deep. <laughs> I was drinking Jack and Cokes and gin and tonics. So. <clears throat> he's like i was next so i get on stage i was the first person uh to perform by himself because everyone else went in groups and what have you yeah and as soon as i got on stage and there was like about 115 of us i look out i'm like what am i doing i just want to jump off this stage right now and i look at the monitor and i hear yeah i'm like oh, i gotta do it nice. so and then all of a sudden i just transformed into the late great notorious big uh did the hook itself as well in, a, in my in uh, my beautiful soprano voice. Uh, so I make sure I, I didn't hold back anything. And by the way, I got a raise the next day. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. You still have your job. So that's a good still sign, right? Job, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you. You made your bed. You slept in it. Um, we appreciate it. I've been as someone who's been to many of these karaoke events, uh, <clears throat> mainly work events. You can only hear "Come On Eileen" and Bon Jovi and Journey songs too much before you got to you got to step in and and just show these folks what the roots are. So appreciate you for it. Appreciate you sending me the video. I got a great chuckle out of it. And like I said, I will save it for a rainy day for this audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lou, we got a lot to get into this evening. Yeah. We missed a week. So let's, uh, let's bring that fire. Let's bring that energy. But before we do, let's just remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews, ours included, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. And while we're on the subject, Lou, where can you find us? Find us on Instagram at tw on Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. Make sure you you like our posts. Make sure you follow us. And uh, Weston, as always, YouTube plug it. We're talking football. Real simple, real easy. <coughs> like, subscribe, leave comments, feedback. We're open and amenable to all of it. And while we're talking to the audience, I'm doing this intentionally. 
big shout out to one Mr. Richard White, who is an avid follower who posts, reposts and shares. So Rich, there's not a better human being than you. I appreciate you. I'm going to dedicate tonight's episode to you. How about wow, that? Wow, one? There wow. we go. There we go. That, that's that's respect right there. All right. So a little bit of a different wrinkle tonight, and I'll unveil that when we get to you know one of our usual suspect sections because uh, we don't encounter this territory too often. But Lou, like we've we've been doing for the last few weeks here, um, you know, we start with those hot topics. I think we got a couple to hash out this week. I'm excited about them. So I'll give you the I'll give you the floor and the honor, sir. All right. So. <clears throat> There's been a player in the in the NFL where you've been extremely disrespectful to. Uh, you've never been a believer of, uh, and he goes by the name of Tua Tagovailoa. You never were a fan of him. Um, that being said, Wes, I'm going to put you on the spot, and, th- and your answer is going to, I really feel like, show to our audience if a you're a hater or b if you have some fork and knives right next to you and about to eat some humble pie, right? Yep. Does Tua Tagovailoa belong in the MVP talk for the 2022 NFL season? My favorite subject, Tua Tagovailoa. Yes, I have been a starch discreditor of this individual Um, with a grain of salt because, like, he's still an NFL player, and I've always said you got to be an elite individual to even be at this league. So that being said, I I have my fork and knife prepared. Wow. I will eat humble pie. On this topic and this topic alone. So my my response does not change my overall opinion on the player in terms of the entire body of work. But where we sit through 10 weeks of the NFL season, absolutely positively, Tua Tagovailoa belongs in the MVP conversation. So let me support that, right? He's 8-0. and over his last eight starts. Now, not all eight of those starts of this season. Um, he's had some some injury woes and things that he's had to, to be mindful of and, and hasn't played. But here's the reality. He's 11th overall in passing yards as it comes to quarterbacks. He missed After a couple of games. Missing a couple of games. I literally have that in my notes, right? Like this is not a full 10-game body of work for this individual. He's actually first in average yards per attempt. Right. What was one of the things that I discredited to about couldn't push the ball down the field. It wasn't wildly like everybody says how accurate it is. His deep ball was wildly inconsistent and inaccurate in previous seasons now. And I want to I want to actually touch upon that. We just said yards per attempt. Yeah, I had that in my notes here, too. Right. For yards per attempt. And if we've said on the show, why is that such an important topic, like a, a place to focus for a quarterback? Because generally, over like the last 10 years, quarterbacks who lead, you know, the NFL in yards per attempt, if you want, I think it's like 7.8 or higher or like 8 per, or higher per yards per attempt, you're generally going to go far in the season and have success in the season and go far in the playoffs. So you're right. It's the fact that he does lead in yards per attempt is significant because of the of what we discussed prior in episodes. Yeah, I, I think we're using the wrong verbiage as well. It's yards per completion, essentially, right? Like mm-hmm. how that breaks down. Um, and that f- factors in yak, mm-hmm. right? That's not air yards or whatever cute statistic you want to like throw out there for all of our statistic maniacs. But at the end, of, and he's got some pretty special yak type individuals on this team right now. So I still don't think he's like, 
pushing it, pushing it downfield. Um, but the facts are the facts, right? He's got 18 touchdowns to three interceptions on the season. And if I'm not mistaken, two of those interceptions, I think, came in the same game earlier in the season, right? So he's been mm-hmm. wildly consistent um, in, in that regard. He's got 118.4 uh, quarterback rating at this point, which I think is tops in the NFL. And at the end of the day, this team is sitting first place in the AFC East, which has been a very tough uh, very tough sledding so far this year. Very competent um, teams. Can I sit here all day and tell you a lot of it has to do with coaching like we always talk about? Sure, right? That's changing of the guard. New offense probably suits his style. I think the coach was eager to get there in front of him. But the question was, does he belong in the MVP conversation? And my answer, while swallowing my humble pie here, is yeah. Through 10 weeks of the NFL season, Tua Viola absolutely belongs in that conversation. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm a well, long story. If I'll make it short, yes, he does. But from for me, from our preseason uh, predictions, I had Mahomes as the NFL MVP, and I think he still will be. And if you look at <clears throat> Mahomes' numbers versus Tua, even though they're comparable, I still think Mahomes pulls away. But yeah, so some things Mahomes and Tua are kind of like one and two right now. If you look at their PFF grades, uh, Tua is the second highest with 91.1. Uh, pro football focus grade where Mahomes is ranked second at 91.4. You look at um, his completion percentage to a, he's in second with that too, at 71% versus Geno Smith, who's at 72.8, that he's the only one that's higher. So that was to his strength, his ability to be accurate, his ability to throw anticipation, anticipation. And, you know, here we are, we're throwing all these stats about Tua, and that's where, that's my wheelhouse. But I'm telling you, man, look at – he spreads the ball over a well pretty – you know, pretty well. Uh, you know, their fullback, Ingle, got a touchdown. Sherfield got a touchdown last week. So, I'm pretty – it's just the eyeball test. I don't think it's just, you know, screens and, and jet sweeps and stuff like that, shovel passes. I feel like he's been pushing the ball pretty adequately, considering all, all – everything that's been taken into effect. I'm not sure if you saw where Dan Orlowski – Post that they give today or yesterday, where yards per attempt have gone down tremendously since like I want to say like 1943 or something like that. It's been its lowest at you know lowest since then. And so for the, for the fact that he's excelling in a time where it's getting harder and harder to push the ball down the field, uh, that quarterbacks are having extreme difficulties doing that. Uh, you got to give him his credit. Um, the fact that he's doing that, and I don't want to hear anyone. The whole well, he's got Tyreek Hill and Waddle. All right, where was that energy, right? When, when uh, Peyton Manning had you know Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, and Edron James, right? Yeah. You never heard stuff like that. You just heard about you know that's a great, well-oiled machine offense. So I don't want to hear stuff like that. Where was that energy when Mahomes had Kelsey and Hill? Uh, you know, two of the you know most dynamic playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. I don't want to hear that. You. The fact that he's doing it with them, it doesn't make a difference for me. He's doing it. He's doing it, and I'm all for it. He's doing it, and he's doing it. He's doing it. Wow. Maybe uh, that'll be my, maybe that'll be my next. Uh, you know, uh, now that one's a little. That one's a little tricky. Yeah, that, I don't that think one. I don't think uh, I would be able to uh, be employed for much longer. After Very few that. people can get up there and, and throw it down like ladies love Cool James. Most people probably don't even know that's what LL. I cool could, James I could, for. I could, I'm, yeah. I could, but I'm, I'm confident enough in it. You might not, <laughs> you might not love the delivery, but I'll, 
I'll the bang shirt, it out. Yeah, the shirt will be off and all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like I, I'm going to continue eating my humble pie a little bit, right? Um, around to uh, I listen. I I'm in, I'm the first person. I will give respect where respects due, and I agree wholeheartedly with you. Like I'm not putting stock into like the Tyreek Hill effect and the you know Jalen Waddle, et cetera, because like they're not even using Tyreek Hill the same way Tyreek Hill was used in Kansas City, right? Like it's a different beast. I'm going to give this the Mike McDaniel effect. And you know what? I'm going to give it the legacy San Francisco 49er effect because there are 49er legends up and down this offense right now. You mentioned Trent Sherfield, right, former 49er, who worked with him. Mike McDaniel worked with him. Um, You have River Craycraft has caught touchdowns. Probably don't even know River Craycraft's name, but I can tell you he's a former 49er. You got Raheem Mostert in the backfield. You now have Jeff Wilson in the backfield who's already exploding onto scene, um, you know, in his first two weeks here. But this is like, dude, I say this all the time. You can only, as a team, when people are like, oh, they had an easy schedule. So what? Like, I can't I can't do anything about that. I can only play the teams that are on my schedule. But if you look who they play, they played New England. He beat New England. He beat Baltimore. He yeah, beat I'm not, Baltimore. He beat Buffalo. Like, yeah, those are I'm not downplaying his competition. I'm using this as a comparison to say that Tua can only play in the offense that is called, right? And Mike McDaniel is proven – time and time again this year already in his first year as a head coach that like he gets what he has around him and he knows how to maximize it. And when you keep things a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, you take a little less risks and you have a 70 plus percent completion percentage, the offense is going to hum. It's going to move. Right. And now it's going to come down to like, can you stop people on the defensive side of the ball, which they can, right? Like, this is a really well-rounded team that that's going to be a problem. And so long as Tua can stay healthy because his body does take some wear and tear and he's had some significant injury history, right? Like, dude, there's no reason he's not. Now, I think the, I think the world will right-side itself, um, right-size itself, and we get closer to the end of the year. It's probably going to be like a Mahomes-Josh Allen conversation. Like, like I just think that's what it's going to be. But for right now, after 10 weeks of the NFL season, Tua talk Viola, absolutely – is in the top two consideration for this this topic. And I'll leave it with this. I'm intrigued, and I agree with you. I'm intrigued, though, how he finishes out the season. As he starts playing more cold-weather games, how will that yep. change the dynamic of the offense? Weather does impact, like, you know, these high-flying offenses or these fast offenses. But one thing that really has impressed me with Tua, not only is he throws with fantastic anticipation, he's extremely accurate, but he's like really decisive. There's no like it's it's like he knows when he does from a play action, he just knows where who's gonna be open when. Yep. And there's no wasted, I'm gonna say, thought process. He just lets it rip. It does look ugly because it's a lefty. I get it, and you might not like that, but I'm sorry. Right now, if you look at the numbers and also the film, he's right yep. up there. I mean, you know me, dude. I'm not a statistic guy, I'm a tape guy. And the tape tells no lies and the tape's telling me no lies either. Right. And like it's telling stats, me, yeah. it's telling me right now that he's playing top notch ball. Now I will not back off my statement. I still don't think he's this perennial pro baller, surefire hall of famer, right? Like this is a very small sample size, but in this sample size, which is what your question is directed upon. The answer is yes. It's, 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 it's Yes. Um, all right, let's get out of there because I'm going to throw up for me and all that <laughs> humble pie. Uh, Lou, an interesting move was made in the NFL as of as of very recently, and it was made by the Indianapolis Colts. And who 
Um, not surprised by the parting ways of Frank Reich, who, by the way, I think could have a job next year. Um, I, I think the world of him as a, an individual, as a head coach, like I think he's going to make some team like very, very happy. I just think like, minimum, bare minimum offensive coordinator. Yeah, I just think like the cult, whole cult season has felt weird, right? And like there's there is this true thing and reality around this term scapegoat, right? And like, mm-hmm. hey, you got it. You got to find somebody to blame for it. And usually in this league, it tends to be the head coach, right? Um, especially the head coach that's a play caller as well. Like that's just going to boil the way um, the cookie crumbles. But that being said, the Colts went ahead and hired themselves former Colt legend center Jeff Saturday as the head coach, as the head coach of a football team, interim, albeit, but as the head coach of your football team who has literally zero coaching experience in the NFL when they – all for all intents and purposes and the rumor mills that you hear, like they have some people on that staff right now that are probably up for consideration for some head coaching jobs down the line. They bypass them all. And Jim Ursay said, bring me Jeff Saturday. Give me your thoughts. <clears throat> See, I'm still not going to back off on how I feel. I know they beat the Raiders. I actually think that's, what happened against the Raiders is more indicative of the Las Vegas Raiders as opposed to the Indianapolis Colts, right? I think Jim Irsay, for lack of a better word, he's acting like a circus promoter, right? Uh, he's been he's been crazy, you know. You know, we, he's eccentric, you know. We lo- he he likes the powder, right? Uh, it's, there's no there's Who no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just okay. Saying, you know? uh, but like, I just feel like uh, that was just um, a throw shit on the wall, crazy. Uh, I am, a, a, you know, a multimillionaire type of move. Uh, wasn't a fan of it. Uh, the guy hasn't been. I know, I know he's been associated with the Colts, but he hasn't been with this team, you know, for this year or years past. For someone just to have like an outsider like that was just doing commentary, you know, on, you know. TV, I thought it was extremely crazy. And I also feel like if you're in the locker room, I, I get it. They won against the Raiders. So everyone's like, yeah, what do you know type stuff? And Jim Mercy was sure to puff out his chest and say that as well. Uh, this is just long-winded, though. But if you are in the locker room, once let's see what the rest happens to the, the rest of the season, right? You guys start thinking, like, this is a joke. If, 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 if this was – they just – the only game they win is the Raiders and – Everything the, the training everything falls apart, you know, from here on out. It's a joke, and I just feel like um, it just was a move, just a crazy move to to see like, hey, let's what's the worst that can happen type of stuff. Yeah, and the reason why that's irresponsible is the fact because you you have players that can that you affect you're really affecting their psyche. You know, will they resign with you? Uh, will you attract talent if like, Hey, that place is, that place is, 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 is freaking crazy. So for me, I wasn't a fan of it. Let's see what happens to the rest of this. You know, he beat the Raiders. Congrats. Let's see um, when there's more film on this team, what happens there. Yeah. So surprise, surprise. I'm going to vehemently disagree with you on, in this regard. Um, no surprise here. So 
Yes, very unorthodox. Yes, very unexpected. Yes, probably not the move I would make based on looking around. And I put zero stock into win over the Raiders because if any, if history has proven anything to me, is teams just tend to like rally around like the interim head coach for at least a week, right? You know what I mean? Or the the backup quarterback for at least a week. Like these things happen, right? Like the NFL's funny that way. But let me tell you why I think I actually like this move. And I, and I listen, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of tape to come. The jury is definitely still out, but in the short term with a little and limited knowledge that I have right now, why I like it is because I, I think we've gotten so accustomed to the NFL head coach that tends to also either be an offensive play caller so slash OC slash or slash defensive coordinator, like in Todd Bowles scenario, right? Like down in Tampa Bay, like, or somebody, right? Like they Eberflus, like they just, they, they focus on certain sides of the ball, right? Like the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, the, the Matt LaFleur's like these head, Mike McDaniel, the head coaches that, you know, are causing the plays. Like, so like, if that's your intention, then yeah, like you kill two birds with one stone, go hire a guy who's got the experience, who knows that. But like at the end of the day, the head coach in the NFL, and we talk about this all the time, Lou, your job is to be a motivator of men and a motivator of team. And we have no and zero indication that Jeff Saturday is anything but that. You don't know, right? Like you don't know like how this dude is going to jive with the locker room like yeah it's probably going to piss off some coaches that were probably in line for promotion and like didn't expect to see this coming but at the end of the day like honestly like he's been around the game a long time he was a very competent player he understands game flow understands clock management as a center nonetheless right like he understands these things like what else is his job as a head coach? Like, yeah, I have an offense yeah. coordinator, I have a defense coordinator. You go do your fucking job, you go do your job, I'll do my job. I'll motivate. So, like, I'm not opposed to this just because it's unorthodox. I reserve the right to judgment of, like, look, if it if it bursts in flames, it bursts in flames. And I do agree that, like, this is Jim Ursay being Jim Ursay being, like, I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something that none of you see coming. But I don't I, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, don't think there's any person talking head, NFL coach, position coach, coordinator that can discredit this move because there's no there's no sample size for it. There's no history or precedent related to this whatsoever. Like you got to let it play out. But at the end of the day, if, if you are a head coach that can motivate people to do the right things and be accountable then like that's the job description dude like that's literally the job description like there's nothing that says there's no history that says this won't work but there's also no history that says this can work knee-jerk reaction gut feeling it won't work yeah it won't won't. (laughs) i i I appreciate that enthusiasm wesley i appreciate that excitement and that glass half full but you and I both believe we're leaning towards this is not the longer work. the longer we're on this show, the glass gets half empty. Just so we're very clear about that. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. But like, Lou, seriously, like you can't tell me it's not going to work. Right. Like, look, want to know. But then again, this, this is why I think it's crazy or why I think I like it is like you're rocking the boat a little bit. You're doing something unorthodox. 
and it's not like, at least to my knowledge, and I'll, you know, I'll eat my own shit here in a minute if I'm like totally wrong, but like they didn't sign him to a six year contract, right? Like he's got essentially the remainder of the season until they find something better, right? He is the, by definition, the interim head coach. Dude, we see it all the time. Interim head coach, the, the, the precedent around this is more often than not, when we see interim head coaches step in, they're like the offensive assistant. They're the special teams coordinator. Yeah, but at right? least they like, know the personnel on the team, though. He he is an outsider. I know he knows the Colts and watches the Colts. Yeah. But come on, man. You think how, how maybe much- that's what they need, right? Like uh bro, I got no allegiance to none of you. This is this is the this is the standard. This is what I expect. Own up to it or not, because at the end of the day, you're a floundering football team. And most of you are going to be seeking employment elsewhere next week if this shit tanks, or next year if this shit tanks. It's just facts. It's just the facts, you know? It'd be interesting if this does work. I actually feel like if this does work, it puts them in a hindrance from years to come because they do not have the talent, in my opinion. Uh, They don't have the skill set. And why stop stop at firing Reich, where I also think Ballard should be held accountable, too. Totally. from Bill, totally. for what he's built there in, in Indianapolis, they are constantly in quarterback purgatory, and there's only a certain amount of time before you you're buying your time. It's either you said it before, it's either you have one, you don't. And as if they keep on having more success this year, what that's going to do is make it even harder for them to perhaps address the future at the quarterback position because Matt Ryan looks cooked. I know he had a good game against the Raiders. All right, I get it. It's the Raiders. Um, but um, so let's should, summarize. Yeah. We both think it won't pan out. You don't like the move. I don't like it. the move. All yeah. right. So that's our summary, right? Like we both think it's going to be the same end result, but I'm actually very intrigued. And let me ask you a like question. Move? Last question. Uh, Weston, if this was, if this happened with the 49ers, would you like the move? If this is your team, yes, I would. Feel, I would feel the exact same way because I know. I know that it's Colin Kaepernick is your, is your head coach. You're liking that. I mean, <laughs> come on, bro, don't do that to me. Um, yes, I'm gonna stick by my guns. You wanna know why I like it? Because it's it's interim status. There's still no long term commitment. Like you're rocking the boat, bro. If you make this move in the middle of the year. It's because you're not going anywhere. Like you fire Frank Reich or you fire Kyle Shanahan or you fire Brandon Staley, like in the middle of a season, you only do that when shit is going real South real fast and you need to shake it up. So at the end of the day, like, would I be really mad if my team decided to say, Hey, we're going to sign a random, I don't even care if it's Joe Montana and you know, or Steve young and how I, or Jerry Rice, how I feel about these individuals. But if it's like mid season, and you fire your coach, and then you say, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go sign the next coach to a five-year, six-year contract like these guys are getting in the middle of the season, then I have a problem with it. But this is – there is no disillusion here that this is what their long-term solution is, right? Like, there's just no – it's – you're – by definition, like, when everybody talks about them, they're going to say, Jeff Saturday – interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. They're never, they're never going to say, in my opinion, they probably never will say head coach. Depends. Um, depends on Ursa. 
You never, you don't know what that guy. You don't know. It, de- it really depends on how much he snorted that day and how much he didn't. And that's why I, I appreciate that, man. Go All right. hell of a drug. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, it sure is. I'm going to tell you the last one here. I'm going to lay it up for you. Okay. Um, and then we'll get into what we witnessed this weekend. But Lou, real quick, just a couple seconds on, you know, you take a look around the league, eight divisions, four in each conference through week 10 at this point in the season. Who do you think is the most overrated division leader at this point in time? Uh, You know, I'm just going to double down on uh, what I said this preseason uh, before the season started. Tennessee Titans. Um, They're six and three. If you look at that team from a, from a talent standpoint, it's quite perplexing how they could be six and three uh, in the AFC. Uh, here's something that's interesting of all of all the division leaders, right? They've allowed more points than they've scored. So that 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 kind of that tells me something right there. It's fantastic coach. And I keep on feeling like the Tennessee Titans are on borrowing are on borrowed time, right? And I hope I didn't steal your thunder, but the points allowed versus points for plus the talent they have is a little troublesome if I'm a Titans fan. I think they're a little overrated. The only uh, only caveat to that is that you do have a fantastic head coach in Mike Rabel. Uh, he keeps he keeps them in no matter what. They sell them. They never get blown out. And it's just that's what great coaching does. But being overrated, if I'm seeing if I, if I'm a playoff team, I'm I would want to play the Titans amongst all the other ones in the AFC. So I'm going to stick with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I don't want to, like, discredit that. I mean, we both picked the, and pegged the Titans to be a team that would slip this year. The reason why I didn't go to that extent surrounding them is because I am a huge believer in Mike Vrabel. Like, we yeah, talk about- so am I, but, like, what he's doing right now is, like, Jesus Christ S. But this is what I'm saying, right? And what do we always say on this show at We're Talking Football Podcast, the only professional sport where coaching actually matters is this one, right? Mm-hmm. Like – and they got a good one. We talk about it all the time. Like, what you know, is Kyle the guy, right? Or Brandon's the guy. You know who I – I think there are, are a handful at most of coaches that I would prefer over Kyle Shanahan in in this team. And Vrabel's or, one of them. Vrabel's 100% yeah. one of them. Um, he just – I mean, you know, what? Let's, like he makes – Lemonade out of lemons, bro. You know what I mean? He makes shit to <laughs> it turns shit in a shit sandwich. Like he's he's just good. Um, for me, I feel like it's all smoke and mirrors. But and... this but I'm not shocked by it, dude. Look at the division they play in, right? So, like, yeah, they might be like overrated with regards to the rest of the conference, but I don't think they are undeserving like of their situation. And like for me. I toyed with a hot second for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just looking at their, like, 500 record being on top of the division. But, like, it doesn't feel accidental because we all predict them to be higher than that. And, yes, we Ooh, know the team's struggling. Yeah. I thought – I could have swore you were going to no. pick the Bucs, especially they Actually, only, they only got scored their opponents by three points all year. They're the, they're the other ones that's, that was uh, – it was either them or the Bucs. All right, so I'm going to I'm gonna go a step further with this. I'm going to stay in my division, and I'm going to hate myself for this because I know I'm going to regret saying this at one point in time, but I'm saying the Seattle Seahawks, actually. Uh, this is off, This is an awful take by you right now because you are seriously j- possibly jinxing yourself uh, this year uh, for uh, the 49ers this year. So I don't give a that, – that's Knock not – that's, that's, that's fake-ass wood. <laughs> 
It actually says, Lou, stay humble. I <laughs> 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 um, sent uh, a gentle reminder to myself on a daily basis to, to remain humble. Um, but this is why. So somebody at work actually asked me this today. This The conversation we were having before we teed in, that person actually asked me. And we we're talking about it. And it's just like, listen, I'm not saying the Seattle Seahawks are not a, a good team. And I know you rattled out before how Geno Smith is completing 72% of his passes. It just doesn't feel sustainable, right? Like, um, you know, I don't think they've had the toughest of sledding of schedules to this point. Their schedule gets increasingly more difficult in the back half of it. Just look it up if, if you, you know, you don't agree with me. But what I think makes this, this tide change a little bit is the book is out there now on Seattle, right? Like if I'm a, if I'm a, a team coming in to play Seattle or they're coming to my place, whatever it might be, like take away the run game, take away the run game, take away the run game, and then let Gino beat you, right? If that's going to be the case. And I don't know. Like, I just don't know. Like, dude, this was a team that like the Seattle Seahawks pundits themselves were like, this is devoid of talent, like no way they compete losing Russell Wilson and what's funny about the NFL though is like belief is like a funny thing right and you start believing in yourselves and and whatnot like guy guy, I don't care if it's the third string or the fourth string player on the team they're an elite athlete right so like give them the right opportunity put them in the right positions to make plays in theory they should right that's why you always hear the next man up because these guys are capable so I'm not discrediting them from like what they've accomplished and what their talent is I just feel like it gets a little bit tougher. And and now the tape's out there that, like, if I can take away this run game, don't know if their defense is going to stop everybody, right? And then, like, I'll hedge my bets and say, is Geno enough, right, to get like, – yes, they got Metcalf. Yes, they got Lockett out there. They have some weapons. But, like, yeah. is that guy enough to get him the ball? And I don't know. I, I just don't know. You know, and like I said – I'm probably going to eat crow for this, right? Because we still got one more game against them. And Seattle's always been the boogeyman to to the 49ers. So, like, I'll probably regret that I'm doing this. But when I look at all the other division leaders, I'll fall short of calling them fraudulent. I just feel like they're the one that we don't expect to be there. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, no. Um of course, no one expected him. Everyone expected him to have a top three pick. It was either them, Atlanta, you know, or the Giants. A lot of people felt. Uh, Can I be really- honest with you, real quick, though? No. <laughs> I almost also went Minnesota. And, Ooh. but this is less of an, like, but I also think the, re- like, listen, Minnesota is playing really well. Right, like they're, they're playing. You can't, really you can't say Minnesota after they went to Buffalo. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, like, when I look at, like, dude, if we went back to our preseason predictions and the teams that we picked to lin to be leading the conference, we're right on six out of eight of these, mm-hmm. right? Or or five out of eight, right? Like, I think we probably both had the Rams in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably both had the Packers in the North, mm-hmm. and then we probably had the Bills, who are a game out, right, yeah. a half a game out in the East. So I'll say that we're, we're pretty parallel there. But, like, the Vikings feel like the biggest surprise. But this is more – actually, that statement is more of an indictment on the Packers and who we expected to win the division versus how the, the Vikings are playing right now, right? So, like, that's what almost felt like 
I'm not. I, I, they are by no means fraudulent. You just said they went into Buffalo, right? They've they've won a handful. That you know they've won eight games this year. They're eight and one, but like they're the ones when I look at the standings, I'm like that feels out of sorts, right? That's not what I expect. Yeah, they flirted with the playoffs last year, and this year with a new head coach, you know, a uh, little more offensive minded head coach tailors to that offense. You have Dalvin Cook back there. You have you have a decent. You have good running backs. Uh, they just have Hawkinson now, Thielen, Jefferson, who is a beast. freaking amazing. Yeah, he's a beast. A beast Best receiver in the league. You know, I think it's hands down. He's up there. He's up there. Okay, okay. I'm just saying. He's up but, there. But uh, but yeah, I think I think the fact that you have all those weapons plus an offensive minded coach, I think that will help Kirk Cousins really propel, you know, later on to the season. And you have to understand, Cousins and Zimmer did not get along. So here you are, you're bringing someone to nurture Kirk Cousins' ego. You're bringing his nurture his ability. And I think that's why you're seeing Kirk Cousins, you know, starting to flourish. Yeah, uh, you know, listen, just catch them on a non-Monday night football game or Sunday night football game and you're – They just have to play all their playoff games during the day. Yeah. They have to, and... they have to play the early slate. And then you're and then you're gravy, you know what yeah. I mean? So all right, cool. Let's hop out of here. Um let's let's do uh and this is where the wrinkle gets a little <laughs> bit different for us. Normally Lou will go off about his chargers, I'll go off about my 49ers. The reality is is the 49ers played the Chargers this weekend. Uh spoiler alert, Lou and I both picked the 49ers to win this game when we were doing our our pick'ems the side because we didn't do a show last week so i have text message evidence by circles on the schedule as to who was going to win these games but um lou i'll let i'll let you so for our listeners lou actually was invited to a show um with, with jesse naylor that we've been on before as a special guest to talk about the chargers from the chargers perspective um and lou went through a lot of things around like hey what would be the keys to victory expectations around the games etc so he was able to get that time in last week jesse again we're appreciative of you um for for always inviting us on and and taking taking care of everybody around you us 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 low on the totem pole individuals but like lou just talk to me about the game. What shocked you? What surprised you? Because I do think there was positives from the Chargers here. Like, I do think there was, yeah. like, signs of life. But I also think there was some negatives as well that contributed to the loss in my – All right. So, the biggest disappointment from this past Sunday was the fact that I, Louis Garini, invited fellow co-hosts, Weston Smith, over to my home to watch the game. Now, I understand that Weston – And we live is, a quarter of a mile from one another. Let's put that yes. on record as well. So it's not like I had to drive an hour to go to Lou's house to go to the game. Yes. And um, so I understand Weston, for those who don't know, is extremely superstitious. So as he watches the 49ers, the first thing he does is decks himself out in 49er gear. Then he puts tinfoil around his head. <laughs> uh, he lights uh, Jabu. It's a little figurine. That brings the good vibes. You trying to say Jesus sim- Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Weston, even though was you had to be pretty confident that they were going to beat the Chargers. You picked them to beat the Chargers. I picked them to beat the Chargers. Uh, it was 
he still could not get out of his own way and enjoy the company of a, of a fellow, uh, you know, of his fellow co-hosts to enjoy a game. So yeah. that was the most disappointing from this past weekend uh, that Weston turned me down like uh, many, okay. many girls back in All right. college. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can I, can I back my myself up here for just a hot second? So, Lou is right on the majority of that account. I am very superstitious. I believe in watching the game in my own environment. I watch games relentlessly. I yell. I scream a lot. I'm really not accepted in many people's houses during a 49ers football game. But I know Lou and Christina well enough to know that they would have me over just the same. Um, But that being said, in all fairness, part of – how crazy I am is also because like watching the 49ers in my household is a family affair, right? So like the wife sports a Nick Bosa jersey during the game. My son gets dressed up in gear. My dog has a 49ers shirt that we put on. So it's not like it's not like they don't care. And I I mean, at the end of the day, they probably don't care the same you are, way that you, I do. No, no, but no. You are a weak man. Don't blame it on your wife and your I'm dog. I'm not blaming my wife. I'm not blaming my wife. I am blaming my superstitious. I am socks, underwear, armbands. I am I am dressed like I play for the team, right? My wife always jokes. Like, you you obviously, I was, she was after the game, she's like, great win today. You were out there. You know what I mean? Like, that's, what she, like, that's the belief in my house. And I've been this way since I, I was a child. But yes, I yeah biggest regrettably had to reject the the invite. Um, Got a brand new TV, folks. Yeah, you know yeah. would would have been mwah, had some treats. Anyways, but Lou, I can't. If dude, if they lost, you wouldn't want me in your house. If, they, if the game went the way that it went, I would have been a pleasure to be at your house because I would. I'm I'm very respectful. I don't rub shit in. I don't talk shit like that. I don't. But if they had lost, you would have seen what I tried to not show to people, which is literally how wins and losses for the 49ers on football season affect my entire week and my entire demeanor. I wouldn't I even have gotten in my car and drove home. I would have walked home. That's how Weston, mad I would I would have helped you out that you wouldn't even remember that the Niners <laughs> lost. So I don't want to hear this. You don't got uh, enough weed in your house to make that happen. Doctor feel, <laughs> doctor feel good. All right, so <clears throat> I don't understand why you were so scared. It was like the 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 Chargers were like a one legged man showing up to an ass kicking contest. There was no chance they were going to win. So I'm not going to lie. I thoroughly enjoyed watching this game because I felt absolutely it was like a bye week. I felt no pressure whatsoever. I'm like, you know what? Expectations are extremely low. Just going to watch the game you know, and just see what happens. And um, unfortunately, the Chargers gave me some hope and then towards yeah, the end. Did. But but like I still wasn't my curmudgeon self. Um, I thought it was a good game. Um, the Niners were a good team Sunday night. The Chargers were a great team Sunday night. And let me tell you why. Good teams win. Great teams cover. The spread was eight. <laughs> the, the, spre- the spread was eight. Niners were – you know, if you look, something had to give. I think the Chargers were 5-0 and against the Niners in the last five matches, but the Niners were, uh, I don't know, like 7-0 and in the spread or, you know, or something like that. Uh, so Chargers covered the spread. Kudos for them. So was, for me, um, I saw some glimpses of 
some competent offensive play in the first half. Um, I like the fact that the Chargers took some deep shots. You can start seeing Herbert's feeling a little better right now, probably from a comfort level. Um, I like the fact that they used a lot of motion um, to try to slow down the second and third level uh, defenders of the 49ers. Uh, That's where the 49ers, they make their bread and butter. They're so fast in that second and third level. So I felt like for Normally, the Chargers are one of the least motion teams, so the fact that they incorporated that, I'm like, oh, they're trying something new. It's cute. Like, you know, it's fun. You know, good good for them. Um, You have to love the effort and the heart that the Chargers uh, showed out to because everyone had Niners winning. Everyone had the Niners just shitting down the Chargers' throat from a physicality standpoint. Even more so, they lost two more uh, interior defensive linemen so out of their five interior defensive linemen that they started the season with, they've lost three now. So uh, plus they also run a light box uh, when it comes to the front seven. So that's why they've been extremely susceptible against the run. Um, but some things, obviously, I also liked. I felt Kenneth Murray might have his best game as a pro. Maybe his second best game. Dude, he was all over the field, man. He was he- – I felt like he field. just stopped. He's the type of guy. He's so athletic, right? But stop thinking. He reacts. He he he. He's extremely reactive. And once he stops thinking, I'm hoping this is a precursor of what's to come. But once he stops thinking, he can just do. And he hasn't he, he hasn't done anything since he's been drafted by the Chargers. He had one fantastic game against the Patriots, and now I felt I felt like he was all over the field, um, played extremely aggressive. So. Kudos to Kenneth Murray. Thought he was great. Khalil Mack, freaking love Mack. I think he leads the league in sacks where he sacks the quarterback and the tackle at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it wasn't often, but I also, and this is not me trying to, you know, throw any shade against Trent Williams, but he went up against Trent Williams a couple of times and it was, it was like two Titans clashing. It was great football to watch because what, what, um, Trent Williams is really known for is his, his power. He's 6'5", 330. What Khalil Mack is really known for, his power. And I felt like he, Khalil Mack, for a guy that was deemed washed, really held his own against Trent Williams. And I'm being respectful. I thought he did. I thought he won against Trent Williams more than he lost. Um, but like I said, it wasn't terribly, they didn't line up terribly too much against each other. So Khalil Mack, uh, for a guy who's washed, looks pretty good again. And Derwin James is Derwin. The problem is they don't have enough Derwin James. Um, that guy, when he when he meets a, a ball carrier, they just go down. Uh, his hands are so strong. He will rip you down like, like an old grandpa with a misbehaving child. Like just straight up, like his hands are furious. He was all over the field, uh, caused a fumble, uh, was, you know, was a great uh, uh, play by Naz Otterly, uh, how he twisted it into Ayuk uh, uh, into Derwin James. So Derwin James is great. Some of the things that were not so great, the second half, and you have to understand it, it was it was understandable because they were just so desperately trying to hold on to the lead, right? Yep. Just so desperately trying to hold on to the lead. But they kept on losing player after player after player, and you just knew they could. This was not going to last. And but, you could, go ahead. 
But Lou, but you've you've brought this up week over week over week over week that like the second half has been an issue for the the Chargers, right? And you go another second half with zero points. I think fifty two yards too total. But it's like I said, this is all expected. Here we are. We are th- so <clears throat> it comes from Herbert's play too and the play calling. So everything. Everyone wants to blame the play caller. Everyone wants to blame the personnel. It's a combination. Um, Newsflash, it's going to be a controversial take. I actually think it's more personnel than play calling. They're calling this vanilla type of offense because they don't have the players to beat, you know, certain man or zone coverages, right? What's frustrating, you can see Herbert does not trust these practice squad players. McKitty, the tight end, after ever got hurt. Dropped a touchdown. That was a t- that's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. Everett, before he got hurt, dropped a, probably a 17-yard pass where no one was around him, and he could have continued going up the left side of the field. That's an issue. Michael Bandy cannot get separation from any professional NFL quarterback, a cornerback. These are all issues. You can just see Herbert having trouble trusting these people, and where it really comes down to is when they are open – he doesn't. He looks at them and is like, "I don't feel I don't comfortable. I will just yeah. check it down. I don't know if this guy can make that play," and that's extremely frustrating. And that's all pretty much I have. Yeah. I just was I was really impressed by the the effort, the level, and if I'm being a, a little hater, I was a little shocked at how you guys really all coming off a bye. Yeah, yeah. So with all the weapons and the healthiest you guys could be. Yeah. That if I'm a Niners fan, listen, you always want I, I'll be the first to say because I the Chargers had an ugly win against the Falcons, and I'm like, okay, a I, wins a win, a wins a win, but I feel like there's a little more questions and answers because I felt like you guys should have been more explosive. Yeah, no, totally. Listen, totally. Um, there's more disappointment coming out of this loss than there are than this win than there is excitement. But first, I want to give credit where credit's due. Chargers came out of the gate hot, right and what scared me and made me nervous about this game is, dude, like, I know. I know all the injuries, right? And and the 49ers have had that same type of lineup going into some games themselves where my expectations have been limited, but that still doesn't mean that, like, we want us to, com- you know, you don't expect them to compete, right? Like, you're still NFL players. But what makes me nervous about this game is when the whole world is picking you to win. Dude, you and I have been watching this sport a long time. Be like, that's a recipe for disaster, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and – and I think this game, because it's been known that the big individuals that normally contribute to this team were going to be out, not just like on the Thursday before the game, like plenty of time leading into the game. It almost fell into the trap game category, right? Like looking ahead, division opponent on a Monday night, big game, got an injured, wounded team coming in. You know, like that's lacking a little bit of confidence. We got all these playmakers here, right? Like how much do we need to put into it? Um, And I do think the Chargers, you know, shot themselves in the foot, right? That McKinney touchdown is prime example. Yes. Now, granted, on the very next play, like they literally hit DeAndre Carter and went down to like the three yard line and didn't punch it in. But like, yeah, see, that's seven versus three. Yeah. Seven versus three all day. I get it. Um, You know what I think is not talked about enough that swung this game in the 49ers favor? Because it's 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 there's a misconception around it, and the misconception is that like oh 
Drake Greenlaw got thrown out of the game when he shouldn't have gotten thrown out of the game against on that hit on Justin Herbert, which I actually agree with. No way in hell should he have been thrown out of the game. The penalty, I 100% agree with. Right? I, I agree that's, with you on that. Yeah. That's the rules of the game. But, like, you can't change physics. Like, the guy's body position changed after he was already launching for the tackle. And there was no – like, how do you throw Dre Greenlaw out of the game, but you don't throw the dude out of the game from Jacksonville that laid Juju Smith-Schuster out, right? Like, it just doesn't equate. But – so, yes, we lost Dre Greenlaw for the game. Do I think that hurts? Yeah. he's a, You mentioned the speed at the second level. He's, he's a component of that. Um, but I think this had a positive effect because you're inside the 30 yard line and you have no Justin Herbert for three plays. And no, the way yeah, you guys you, were moving you saw the ball. That. You saw that. You saw that. Yeah, they, had, they just set up for the bro, field goal. Bro, you're sending Daniels out there. Like, what has he done? In, you know what I mean? Like, he has he's taken a snap all season, right? So like, like the last know? time Daniels was good, I think, was in Missouri, and that's where he went to college. <laughs> yeah, you know, so like I'm not, I'm not naive, right? Some things like, listen, I think early in the game, some things swung the Chargers way, like the Ayuk fumble and whatnot, and the 49ers defense. What I, again, I'm giving credit to the Chargers here, right? Because, Lou, one of the things that you talked about is they don't do X, Y, and Z, right? They don't move people around. They don't create matchups. They don't do any of that. They did all of that on their first drive, and there's no tape on them doing all of that. And that caused, dude, there was two blown completely blown assignments from the, the 49ers defense. Cause like, I ain't never even seen that right. In like preparation for this game and didn't know how to react. So it's like, where's more of that, right? Like even the, 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 it was a third down and they hit um, Eckler over the middle, right? Like on that little, Texas you know, route. yeah, a little Texas route right over the middle, like nobody there, just things that I haven't seen, from them before. And then even early in the game, defensively, they were stuffing the run up the middle. I know we ran for 150 yards, but we also ran the ball 40 times. You know, a lot I mean? of that came in the second half when the yeah. when the Chargers lost uh, Tito Obonye and um and uh Covington. Covington, yeah. So actually I do think they it looked worse from the Chargers perspective in the second half because there was greater time of possession in the 49ers um favor. They were still running the ball decently in the first half, but the game flow wasn't. And this is what hurts the Chargers the most, right? Is like, where do you want to get the 49ers? You want to get them down two scores, put the ball into Jimmy's hands, and force him to do some things because you know you can take advantage of that. They never made it large enough where that Kyle had to get away from the run and physically wear you down. And yes, Abonye and Covington going out, like, at that point, it's just about depth, right? Like, you don't even have people you can rotate in and out. These guys were exhausted. And a physical offensive line is going to take advantage of that. Dude, I can't sit here and say that the 49ers did anything sexy. Like, I'm the first to say that my expectations for the first week after having two weeks of game planning of having Debo and McCaffrey on the field together, I wanted to see more. What I, what I love about what I saw – is I, I continue to see Ayuk on the ascent. Listen, that fumble, that that like yeah, that's just a big game. Yeah, I mean, dude, he got swung into a dude and the ball hit some guy's helmet. Like, there's very few people in the NFL that are gonna hang on to that football. Like the yeah. ball cleanly hit the helmet, not like helmet to arm, ball f- falls out, yeah. right? Um, 
hey, welcome back, Elijah Mitchell. Like, he sure looked good, right? He like, looked fantastic, did, man. You know, like, and that bodes well for Christian McCaffrey. Like, he doesn't have to be on the field every – but I – while I – the 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 fan in me wants to see more sex appeal from Debo and McCaffrey, having both of them on the field at the same time, what people forget and overlook is – all right, for the longest time – especially the tail end of last year is like, how do you take number 19 out of the game plan? Right. And that's all you worried about was number 19. How do you take Debo out of the game plan? Now you got to think about how do I take Debo out of the game plan? And how do I take Christian McCaffrey out of the game plan? So now you got two people that you're thinking about that you want to eliminate. Like that is going to Jawan Jennings has a big game. Oh, surprise, surprise. Right. Like, you know, Brandon Ayuk has a big game because you're not focused on those guys. You're focused on the other two. And I think people are forgetting that, that is also part of the sex appeal of having those two people is it frees up other guys that you have at the skill position. But I agree, Lou, with the playmakers they have, 22 points against a beat-up defense, like that doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like It feels like it should be more, but I like what the defense did. And here's – I tweeted this. Nobody cares about my tweets, but I tweeted it, and I said it long before anybody else said it. And I said the key to the victory in this game based on this game flow – is what didn't well i'll ask you the question what didn't you see happen in this game specifically from the 49ers offense for me i actually was shocked that your playmakers are you i i mean i know i if you look at the stats okay i'm shocked that debo Ayuk, and kittle they were really quiet yeah and game flow game flow but like it's not the, what... the first half i felt if you also you look at the film you know the tape they were pretty covered pretty well. And I, and uh, one of the things that we were talking, I was talking on Jesse's show, he's like, what do you feel most confident about? I'm like, wherever Derwin James is lining up, he's yeah. shutting down that play. He's shutting down Kittle. And I say Kittle's the best tight end in the league. Uh, stats might not show it. I get it because they're more. He's the most complete. He's yes. not. Yes. He's the most complete tight end in the NFL. So uh, whoever they put him on, I just was kind of shocked that like your playmakers were not as explosive i was expecting a lot of yards after catch type stuff okay. and it wasn't there for you guys and then i think that's when you guys realize okay let's we'll just, just run the ball we're gonna bludge them to death we're yeah. straight up we're straight up we're gonna just kill them to death let's not get fancy because that's not working for me it was it was a it was a lack of it was a, that, that type of lack of All right. uh, so you you missed the assignment here. Um, I agree with everything they were saying, but what I was asking you, like what you didn't see was what do you typically see that happens at least once or twice in a game with a very specific person under Jimmy? center? You see a throw that you have no idea why you were throwing that football. You so I got to talk. Once. I know you I got to talk to you about so that you must be that extreme once. that must be extremely frustrating because whenever Jimmy has the ball, it's like you oh, dude. It's, either it's a you panic to... attack every time. He looks so indecisive. And I felt like, oh, we're going to get an interception here. It's just the fact that he just does not look comfortable going through progressions. And he didn't he didn't have any interceptions or, or any bad throws, really. But you're right. It must be extremely frustrating from a Niner standpoint. Like, yeah, type of stuff. I, I do what it is. And listen, yeah. What I actually take away from this game is he doesn't look comfortable going through progressions, but in this game, he went through progressions without making the mistake, right? Like where's Jimmy at his best when the number one option, the way the plane is, the plan is, uh, the play is drawn up, 
when he looks there, they're open. He hits them, right? Like he's an accurate quarterback. Like he is at, to some extent, like his, his completion percentage says he's accurate. Ball placement might tell you something a little, little bit differently, but statistically speaking, he's an accurate quarterback when he can hit his first read. But what I saw was somebody like, yes, he's got choppy feet. Yes. He's got happy feet. Yes. He looks like he's on a fucking hamster wheel panicking a little bit, but I watched him go through his progression without making the mistake or without taking too many sacks, right? I mean, dude, McGlinchey was being owned by Mac. Anytime Mac was out there, McGlinchey was just being destroyed. Like even Collins where it's like, McGlinchey's had a rough go the last few weeks. And I tell you, like, he's had more than a rough go the last few weeks. But like evidence to me on like good throws and good ball placement, a couple third downs to Jawan Jennings, right? A couple balls to Ayuk. But what I loved was that Ray Ray McLeod catch, right? Mm-hmm. Like where that's like the fourth read, dude. Like McLeod just turned off field and Jimmy confidently put it over in them. And like, you don't see enough of that number 10. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. see too much of the truly indecisive number 10. And in that indecisiveness makes a mistake. And dude, like I said, I tweeted it and I tweeted it before any of those talking heads wanted to put it out there that that was the key to victory. Cause the way that game was going, all it was going to take was one stupid turnover, which happens in our side of the field and the extra three points or the seven points that might come from it would have literally been the difference in this game. Um, but listen, I'll, I'll, I'll pat the defense on the back. D'Amico Ryans makes his adjustment second half, nothing, Part of that's ball control, et cetera. I understand you are void of offensive weapons at this point in time. I totally get it. But what's the most important position? The quarterback. You guys have that in spades. What did I text you after the game? Um, I won't say it out loud here because my wife will listen to the show and she'll get really mad. But I trade a lot of things in my life to have a quarterback like Justin <laughs> Herbert on the 49ers roster. Um, he's that good. And, and one of the things that stands out to me, like you said, dude, is he's clearly now getting on the healthier side of this injury, which like bodes well, should you get some of these players back? And the good news for you, dude, is the way that things are shaken out is like, you'll still be in contention for a playoff spot unless you literally go on a streak of like three straight. And I just don't see that happening for you guys. So, yeah, I want to ask you a question. What was the one thing that kind of caught you by surprise uh, when watching this game? Meaning like, I did not expect that type of thing to happen. For me, it was how close it was. Yeah, uh, Frank. But like for you, what was like? It could be, you know, what was that one thing that caught you by surprise? Um, I'll, I'll give you one from like each team, right? Like the what caught me off guard was two weeks of preparation, big game Sunday night. You know, the offense like looked like it just was never in rhythm and never in sync. And I get it. Like you got, dude, there is a problem with having too many weapons on the field, right? There's only one ball to go around and there's a lot of egos to feed. And that's, that creates problems for coordinators, right? Like I say this to my brother all the time as a Giants fan. He's like, bro, like your fourth string wide receiver is better than our number one. And I was like, I'd actually prefer your lineup because at that point, the quarterback's just got to say, I'm just going to trust the play call. And if they're open, they're open. That's where I'm going to put the ball versus like, oh, it's third and eight. We got to scheme up Debo or we got to draw 85 open, right? Like that, like, no, just call the right play. You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. let these guys deal it out. But I, but I expected more. I think what was surprising for, 
not surprising because I do watch a lot of Chargers games because of what we do here. But, dude, I think, like, you're – I was surprised to see how good Kenneth Murray was because we shit on Kenneth Murray a lot. Um, but your secondary is good, man. Your it secondary is. is real good. It real is. good. Samuel Davis, Derwin, Adderley, like, those are four good – I mean, Davis is like, I guess, getting a little bit older, right? But like, those no, are he's, four he's like twenty-eight. Good, he's twenty-eight. Four good young play. Like, you have a core there. You know what I'm like. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. look at that and say, like, you don't look at that secondary and be like, I'm gonna pick on that guy, yeah. right? Like, there's nobody to pick on, dude. There's there's nobody to like. It's scheme. Like, yeah. that's how you gotta get people open. Like, you guys lock up and. Listen, and Derwin's special, man. God, you know, you forget it from he time just, to time. He just, he just arrives it. with bad intentions. Like I said, anytime you see him touch a ball carrier, that ball carrier is going down right then and there. But he's smart, man. He's smart. He's like, you see it in his intro of himself, like on the Sunday night, like where they say where they're from. Just like he's all smart. Like I legitimately believe number three is having fun out mm-hmm. there while he's playing regardless of the scenario and it's just hard not to to like him and when you watch him play it's just like my god this guy is just an exceptional football player he's yeah. exceptional dude and he can play literally every position on the football field minus d tackle yeah. every position on the football field yeah, he's no, so good it's, it's he's true. so good that's that's for, what i have a takeaway for me takeaway um from a positive standpoint was Damn, Elijah Mitchell is really good. He really is, dude. The only there's only one problem with him. It's his ability to stay on the field. Yeah. Uh that's gonna make a hell of a one-two punch. Maybe what that's gonna really do is um that's gonna help him keep both of them fresh, help avoid major injuries. Maybe that you know, Kyle Shannon did come out and say there's gonna be more of an even distribution of the ball than you would probably think. And there yeah. should be. There really there should, should be. be because none of them, McCaffrey nor Mitchell, has shown the ability to stay healthy in the last couple of years. So why not take a little off their plate so they're fresher and you don't have those nagging injuries and then turn to more substantial injuries, right? So Mitchell looked really. I thought he outperformed McCaffrey. If you want my honest opinion, no, that, that yeah, that's the truth. One of the things that I love about Mitchell, and this has been, I mean, forever, but since last year, right, is he's like. He somehow, some way finds positive yards. Even on a bad play, he finds a way to like fall forward the right way mm-hmm. to get that yard. Now they are very different backs, right? Like Elijah's never going to be your like receiving <coughs> threat, like McCaffrey. Like McCaffrey could go play wide receiver on any team right now, right? Like the kid is just so freaking talented. But McCaffrey's a little bit of a dancer, right? Like he's a little bit of a more yeah. patient runner. Mitchell just hits a hole. He just That's hits a right. hole, hits a hole, hits a hole, and that lets him fall forward. I mean, dude, towards the end of that game, I mean, seven, eight yards of carry. Like, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And, like, until you got in the red zone, all See, of a sudden we fold up. That was that was the issue. I felt in the second half that the that your drives could have easily been stalled if the Chargers just won on first down, like, once or twice. Yeah. And, like, if it was, like, second and ten, second and eight, I felt like okay, you might have to start passing more, because um, I think that that's when you're kind of you're basically going into the the strength of the Chargers defense, their pass defense, and they just could not. They were like always close to getting 
you know, that short game. But it just, like you said, Mitchell would keep on falling forward or McCaffrey would slip out of a tackle. But um, I thought it was an enjoyable game. I thought I thought it was – there was it wasn't high scoring, but it wasn't sloppy. No, it, it wasn't was- sloppy. I mean, plus or minus some drops, right, and like some turnovers. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, dude. A very frustrating game for me to watch, right, just because of like – the way that game started mm-hmm. and I can imagine you sitting there walking in with like limited expectations. Oh my God. Dude, I was not sober whatsoever. I, I was having like the time of my life and just to have like no expectations, Weston. It's fantastic. It's the best way. It's the only way to watch football. So I understand like, that. Yes. But, like, but I don't it, know how to do that unless it's the bye week. Like I literally don't know how to do that unless it's yeah. the bye week. But now imagine being on my side, knowing that, this entire fandom of the Los Angeles Chargers has no expectations of this game. And we're all of America is picking you to win and you're not, you know what I mean? And it could be far worse if they just executed a few things like that game could have been put away, man. It could have been. This leads me to my next question. And then if you want, we can then uh, get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. And I hate being that person, the if guy, the if, right. Cause I always make a joke. If my aunt had a penis, she'd be my uncle, right? <laughs> and I love do, the joke. Do you every time do you, you feel do, do you well do you feel as if if the Chargers were healthier were a healthier team? I'm not saying Bosa back, but let's say they had Williams and Allen back. How much of a difference of an outcome do you think something like that would make on this game? I think on paper it makes a huge difference. But it's hard, and this is not to be a cop out answer. I'm going to try to back this up, um, back this up. But like, it's hard to predict, right? Because like, I do believe in the NFL. Like, you get up, you play up to your competition, mm-hmm. right? And you play down versus your competition. And candidly, in this game, based on who you guys were marching out there, I felt like we played down to mm-hmm. the competition, right? Never. So if if a Bosa's out there. If a Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both out there, I'd like to believe, because I've seen this roster and this team do it before, we'd play up. That doesn't mean it's the same result. Um, But, like, the the obvious answer, dude, is, like, if you're rolling out there healthy with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Bosa and, like, you know, a a couple players, plus or minus. By the way, we didn't give uh, enough credit to Sebastian Joseph Day. He had himself a hell of a football game, too. Yeah, I love love him. He's He is, from a mentality standpoint, he's exactly like Derwin James, upbeat, always having fun, uh, just a really good guy. You're right. He he was the one laying down. He played. He played. Uh, but like, yeah, like it's the, the obvious statement is like, if we're healthy, it's a totally different game. And yeah, if we're healthy, I think they had every opportunity to win. But here's the truth, Lou. Unhealthy, they had every opportunity to win. Mm. But I do think it comes down to like, and we see this all the time, man, playing up and playing down to your competition. I honestly think that the 49ers were underprepared for this game and they got lucky and they got okay. lucky. That's how I honestly think. All right. Hopefully uh, we'll, you know, we'll see in the, you know, in the, Super Bowl there. I mean, listen. Yeah, no, if, we, we both got a long way. We I'll both, make you a promise right now. If you'll come over my house. Bowl, I will come over your house and watch the game. You just have to let my wife and my son come, and that's all I ask. I'll make you a promise. If they, they are the Super Bowl, you're not invited to my house. <laughs> <laughs> you blew your one. 
will you just invite me over like on a week where like we're not in a competitive slot you know what i mean like you got a thursday night game i got a monday night game or something like that or i got a thursday night game you got a Monday. i'll come watch football with you bro i'll, I'll see what I, i'll see what i can it's do. hard all okay. right Lou, we've been freaking out all night let's keep it going what are you freaking out about all right uh do you want the good or the bad Newsflash for you. I only have good. Ooh, okay. So, so you go with it. Let me go with the Rams. All right. Oh, if, man. Uh, for the, you know, I'm going to make a, like a, a typical, you know, uh, Twitter joke for the four Rams fans out there, right? Um, you have to be freaking out. You have to start asking yourself did they sell their soul to win a championship? This team is in extreme disarray. I feel like they're following the Broncos' foot, footprint when the Broncos went all in with Peyton Manning, got that you know that uh, you know that Super Bowl, and it's been awful ever since. Uh, they have no first round picks next year. Their offense is a mess. Stafford's banged up. He's had back injuries in the past, elbow issues. Just lost Cooper Cup. He's going to be out for a while. What have I stated before the season even started? Their offensive line's a mess, and I go, that's why I think they're going to be a completely different team. Their offensive line's in shambles. They are losing guys left and right, and it's apparent, not just from a pass pro standpoint, but also from uh, a running game. They cannot get that running game, no matter who they throw back there, started. And McVay, uh, his scheme is predicated on that running game. Uh, for those for those play action deep uh, deep passes, and Allen Robinson has been a bust too. He's provided no value or to take any pressure off of Cooper Cup. And now you look at their schedule; they have to go to Kansas City, they have to go to Seattle, they have to go to Green Bay, and then they play the Chargers. Those are not easy games. Last year, <clears throat> when the Rams won the Super Bowl, I'm not sure if you remember, but I said. I feel like the best team didn't win the Super Bowl. I feel like the hottest team won the Super Bowl, which does happen at times, a la the Giants in the past, right? And we've all made those those predictions that, hey, amongst the Rams and the Bengals, we just automatically assume the Bengals were going to be the team to miss the playoffs the following year after the Super Bowl. There's going to be a Super Bowl hangover. I don't think it ever really crossed anyone's mind that, in fact, the Rams are dangerously flirting with not making the playoffs. And you have to understand what's coming up with their schedule. If they lose two, two, three more games with this brutal schedule, why even bring Cooper Cup back? So they're pretty much just forfeiting the season in that regards. And their defense has been pretty – obviously it has regressed from last year. So – Ram, Ram, was it Ramley or Ram's house? Whatever you want to call it. That's both, and they're both yeah. corny. You won last year. You, you know, you won last year, but I don't see. I see a lot of bad things coming up in the future for the Rams. Some of the players are getting up in age, right? You have McVay saying that if his core players uh, are not there, he's going to be bounced. So you have to under, start questioning their commitment. Uh, you know, to you know, keeping this thing going. So. Rams, I think you're, you know, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's funny because you mentioned like, listen, the reason you bring Cooper Cup back is because I'm rolling in one fantasy league, and I just need my man to keep playing and balling. And please bring him back for me. But here's another 
<clears throat> sobering reminder is that a lot of talk for the last few weeks has been that like OBJ, OBJ, try to bring OBJ back. But like, why? OBJ is going to, if he comes back, he's going to a contender and y'all ain't that right now. Like he knows he has his choice and he knows there are contenders that are biding for his services. I don't, I want a Super Bowl with y'all. I don't, I don't need to do that again. Like I don't need to be back there. So there's no help on the horizon. Lou, I have a question for you about the Rams or about the specifically about the Rams Cardinals game last weekend. Did you, when we were making when, well, actually, cause we picked on Sunday morning um, or Saturday, we did it on Saturday. I think, did you, I didn't know that Kyler Murray was a game time decision or that Stafford was even in the concussion protocol. Like, I guess I just like, wasn't paying attention cause we didn't do our show last week, et cetera. So I wasn't like in the weeds about that. But I feel like you had some knowledge because I went Rams. And if it was if I knew it was going to be the battle of the backups, I would have chose Colt McCoy. <laughs> Got you, Colt McCoy. Got you, Colt McCoy, man. Uh, uh, did I did. I did. Yeah, I did know uh, he had a concussion. And I knew Cooper Cup had you know, he was banged up going into the game. So I didn't know that. Yes. No, I knew Cup was banged up because he got banged up at the end of the Niners game. So yeah. like I knew that. I just didn't I didn't realize Kyler was in jeopardy. And I knew Stafford was in the concussion protocol, but we all play that game, right? Yeah. Like they all like Oh my walk god, he passed, out there. Yeah, yeah. He passed 15 minutes before the game. So <laughs> funny how he finished the game that he got concussed in, you know what I mean? But like now he's in the protocol. So yeah. I did know. Yes, yes, I did know that, and that's why I did pick the Cardinals to win. Okay. All right. <clears throat> if I'm freaking out, I'm freak uh, as a Philadelphia Eagle fan in a positive way, Lou. And I know that might sound funny coming out of. And again, I repeat, this is a positive freak out as of you know for Philadelphia Eagle fans. Even though you were coming off your first loss of the season, listen, it is nearly impossible. <clears throat> to go an entire regular season undefeated. Like in my experience, the teams that win, the teams that go far, the teams that find themselves in Super Bowls and wins them, they need to find wins from all different angles, right? Tough losses, funny bounces. Like you need to accumulate that everywhere. You also need to taste what it's like to lose, right? And see how your team responds from that. Up into this week, the Philadelphia Eagles have never played from behind to start a second half ever in, in this first week, right? Like or the first eight games, nine games, whatever it is. They've never played from behind in the second half. Now, granted, they lost this football game, but in full transparency, like they did some really good things while playing from behind and trying to catch up like a really fluke fumble on like a huge downfield pass where the guy doesn't get touched and he gets a, and gets you know, hawks from behind where you're not paying attention. Like that thing's not, that's not going to happen every week. But for the Philadelphia Eagle fans, like you got a loss out of the way. Now we get to see how we respond as a team. And does this spiral or do we bounce right back into the mm -hmm. win column, which is the most important thing. But I, I have, I have family that are Philadelphia Eagle fans. I was golfing with them a few weeks ago and I said to them, you have to lose a football game. You can't go into the playoffs undefeated. Like you need to, you need to taste defeat. 
You need to see how your team responds. You need to rally around each other and, and correct mistakes. Like it's too easy when everything's going well to just be complacent. So if I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, get it out of the way. Actually, yeah, I am actually thrilled with this loss. Like thrilled to because you want to know why? We didn't get blown out. It was a close game, right? Like there's some things we can clean up in there. We normally don't get run on like that, letting 48 run attempts, you know, but like you can clean those things up, get the loss out of the way. This is a good thing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, so Michael, I'm going to drop a Michael Jordan quote on you. Um, he said he missed more than 9,000 shots in his career. He lost almost 300 games, 26 times. He was trusted to take the game-winning shot and miss. He's failed over and over again in his career, in his life. And he's like, for that reason, that's why I've succeeded in life. You have to fail to succeed. And you want to get that done now. You don't want to peak midway through the season. You want maybe you go through a little – you know, uh, a little some ups and downs right now. Yep. So hopefully, no, don't do this to me now, Lou. Am I losing you now? In the middle of the show, Lewis, come back to me. All right, fans, I'm going to keep carrying. I'm going to let Lou come back, and he's going to text me. This is good practice for me to see if I can get the entire show going on my own. Let me text Lou back right fast because I knew he was going to text me right now. I'm texting him. And I'm just going to keep on going. Hopefully I bide enough time before he comes back. So the other one that I wanted to freak out about a little bit, um, and I'm going to keep rolling until he logs back in on his internet and he'll get back. I promise gang um, is going to be around the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings are coming off a huge win against the Buffalo bills in improbable fashion. There were point in times during that game where people said, this is, this is a loss for the Minnesota Vikings and things happen, but good football teams find ways to win football games. The Minnesota Vikings have won seven games in a row. They are four games up on division rival Green Bay Packers, who both Lou and I picked to win the division in the win column. They're five up in the loss column. They're actually biding for that number one seed at this point in time in the NFC. Their lone loss of the season is was on a Monday night against the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles, which does give the Eagles the edge. But last week, what I think was most impressive was they found some different ways to win against a, a, a big team in Buffalo, going against the um, in Buffalo, going against again a top seeded team in the AFC. Everything was clicking. The passing game from Kirk Cousins, the run game with Dalvin Cook. I mean, Jesus, Justin Jefferson just continues to soar to new heights. He made one of the best catches I have ever seen did y'all see this catch that justin jefferson made i mean one-handed up in the air leaning back pulling it away from somebody a slight variation of the obj catch if you will but just in a different manner like i know that obj obj catch um was totally different 
All right, Lou, welcome back, Lou. I've just been rolling. I went into my next freaking out section. I said everybody, I was like, Lou's going to text me. He lost a little bit of the internet. I'll bring him back. No worries, but I'm just going to keep rolling. I kept firing, buddy. Wow, good for good for you to keeping the, the you know the you know the show going. We got I gotta get my IT guy here, uh, which we don't have, by the way. So. <laughs> He's not on the payroll. We had to cut yeah. back some expenses. Um, Lou, so you missed nothing. My second freaking out was the Minnesota Vikings, positively. Right? Of course. I'll summarize seven in a row, four games up on the four and a half games technically up on the Packers. Their lone loss is to the Eagles, they're biting for the number one seed. And I just felt like against Buffalo in Buffalo, like the whole offense was clicking this time. Mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook in the run game, passing game was going. And I could not walk out of that segment without praising that one Justin Jefferson catch. That was just – that is in contention for the best catch I've ever actually seen. You know what we should do? We should make a – we should rank like our top tens like we've had in the past – yeah. Top 10 catches of all time. We should do dude, that. Dude. That'd be that, sick. Bro, what's even crazier about that game is Stefan Diggs earlier in the game made of absurd catch himself. And yep. then and Jay Jeff um kind of one up them. So you're back. I'm back. Let's go ahead and give me a freaking out. Do you wanna I got one good and one bad now? Like which one? We'll just do I'll do one more. Yeah, do one more. Uh give me the so, good because you went bad. Okay. Washington Commanders. Here we are with Washington. They're always the brunt of everyone's jokes, right? Whether it's their owner being a sleazeball, it's them changing names every every year for the last. Which he like, is, by the way, Daniel Snyder. You are a piece I, of shit. Yeah, like, you're just a piece of shit, dude. Yeah, I don't so even tell, care. Tell Nobody follows really our show, so I don't care saying that. But like, you're just a piece of shit human <laughs> yeah. being, dude. So yeah, so but here you are. We, they're so easy. They're such an easy target. But for them to be sitting at five and five with their backup Tyler Heineke, who should be their starting quarterback, by the way, uh, their defense is starting to find its mojo. They're playing physical football, and they got a nice upcoming schedule coming up at Houston versus Atlanta. They play the Giants twice and home versus Cleveland. Those are like six game winnable games for them. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're not ones where you're automatically chalking a you know a, a, an L you know in that column there. Things are, you know, riding a little, you know, riding good for the commanders. So uh, kudos to them, man. On, I, on the, you know what? It couldn't happen. Couldn't happen to a nicer coach. A lot. I'm a huge Ron uh, Rivera Ron, fan. Uh, dude. Big River, Ron Rivera guy. Riverboat Ron. Like, how do you not love him? He just does. He just does it the right way. He played the right way. He coaches the right way. Yeah. How do you not root for a guy like Taylor Heineke? How do you not root for a guy like Robinson mm-hmm. in the running back position? Right. Like literally got shot like months ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's out there doing it. Terry McLaurin, who's been in, like, quarterback purgatory, right? Like, just mm-hmm. getting a little bit of love, a little bit of burn. Um, and that NFC East, man, we talked about it, dude. It's a tight race. And they went on the road in Philadelphia. But this is the problem. Like, a trap game, you should never fall into a trap game against a division rival. But I think Philadelphia fell into that. I think Philadelphia <laughs> fell into that a little bit. Yeah. All right. Let's make up a little ground here. Okay. Lou, the last few weeks, every week coming in, we're like, the schedule is rough, right? Like, but I actually think the schedule this week is a little bit more favorable. There's a few things, mm-hmm. more things to be excited about. So, what are you looking forward to? In All right, week 11. There's two games I'm looking forward to. I'll start with one because I think the second game, I don't think you're going to pick up on yet. So, I'm hoping that I'm looking obviously in the NFC, uh, Dallas for at Minnesota. 
Uh, Dallas is actually a favorite on the road. I think that's easy money, people. So if you are a betting person, I think, again, two and a half. I'm not, I'm not sure. But if you are a betting person, I think you take that uh, for Minnesota, by the way, I'm talking about. But these are two teams that are still receiving some sort of doubt from an outside criticism uh, because of Dallas and their coaching, because of Minnesota and, you know, Kirk Cousins. There's always doubt going to be associated with these organizations because of, you know, the monkeys on their back from years past. I'm interested to see kind of stands, you know, pulls out of this one and pretty much, uh, you know, ends up victorious and to remove that doubt. I feel like Dallas needs this game more than Minnesota. So um, that being said, um, it's more important for them because Minnesota, they're sitting high. They're eight and one. Green Bay is still under 500. So it's more important for Dallas to win this. Game. I, I think this game is infinitely more important for Dallas than it is. I mean, Minnesota's got the cushion of a lifetime right now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, I mean, they're they're sitting in in a, in a happy place, and we'll talk about who we think is going to win or lose in a, in a moment. But like, Dallas needs this game, dude. They they desperately need this football game, and most importantly, because I I do feel that their passing game has been a little bit lackluster since Dak's return. Uh, they're going to need to run the football, and they're going to need both of them to be healthy, Pollard yeah. and Zeke, to run the football. Actually, what I'm looking forward to starts tomorrow night, man. Titans versus the Packers. And I never look forward to a Thursday matchup unless my team's in it, to be perfectly candid with you, um, because I hate short weeks. I think Thursday night is just – it's awful, and I'm sure Amazon is super pissed off they've invested in it this year um, the way that they have. But what I'm most interested about in this game is how do the Packers respond com- coming off of that very emotional win over Dallas in a game where nobody picked them to even be in that um, on a short week. What I'm looking for is, is this the Aaron Rodgers, let's all calm down moment. Is this the run? Or, yeah, or do are we still freaking out as Packer fans because they don't get it right? And listen, we talked about Tennessee maybe not being an overrated, like, division leader, but they're a formidable opponent, right? And – one thing that I do know about Thursday night football games when everybody's banged up and on a short week, the team that tends to run the ball better than anybody usually comes out on top. And last I checked, that that's Vrabel's brand of football, right? Yeah. Like tout the rock, stop the rock, like super simple stuff. So I don't really love the Packers' chances, to be honest. Um, but that I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. You got another one on the docket? I do, and this one's going to surprise you. I wonder if you can pick this pick up on this one. I'm looking forward to Cleveland at Buffalo. Why am I looking forward to that? Because Buffalo's sliding. No, no. Deshaun Watson back? No, no, no. Because there's a possibility of four to six feet of snow in Buffalo. And I love watching me some uh, snowy snow football games. And I saw something that was pretty intelligent. If there's six feet of snow in Buffalo, Devin Singletary's 5'7". Number 26 has disappeared from the field. What happened? You're just going to see a little trail like running yeah. on the field. Like we think he's at the 20. Yeah. He holds the ball up in the end zone and nobody's tackled him. I think he crossed the plane. Uh, we got to call it. So, yeah, I just, you know what? Because that just reminds me of the good old days. Like, ah, you know, when football is supposed to be play- It's just fun. The last time it was the Eagles-Lions uh, game that was real fun just like that. I got thrown out of an Eagles game, Eagles 49ers, during a snow game because people were throwing snowballs at me. 
Mm-hmm. I had great seats. Snowballs being bombed at me, and the Philadelphia security legit up told legit told me it's easier to remove you from the scenario than it is to remove everybody else. And they gave me a full refund cool. um, on my tickets, at least. Right? I mean, I was pissed. Not that the 49ers are even in this game. This was like the, the pur- purgatory 49er days. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna summarize this, and I'm gonna get to a game that I am interested in. Um. Do love the Kansas City Chiefs, San Diego, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers wow, matchup. Wow, just I do love it because it's Sunday night football. It's division game, um, and this is what I was talking about before, Lou. Like, can they get up for their opponent again? You know what I mean? Like, and they tend to play pretty well against the Kansas City Chiefs in years past, and that's just a mentality that carries. I don't care who's out there. We'll talk about who's going to win or lose in, in a short moment here, but the real game that I'm looking forward to is getting to watch the second favorite team of the We're Talking Football podcast, Detroit Lions at the New York Football Giants. Lou, because I'll be at the game. That's why I'm looking forward to it. Uh, nice little cold November game, tailgating, etc. Those who listen long enough know that I am a season ticket holder to the New York Giants, even though I'm a diehard die 49ers fan. Going with my brother, we'll have, a, we'll have a good time. Did but you look don't at the weather, by the way? Yeah, it's, it's going to be cold. It's I don't think it's cold. supposed to rain. Yeah, it's going to be no. cold. That's fine. Um, that's fine, dude. I, bro, I Trust me. I'm not built for cold weather, which means I come prepared for cold weather, right? Like, I'm usually sweating in the cold weather because I'm overprepared. I'm not worried about that at all. This is not a walk in the park for the New York Giants, no matter how you want to carve it, looking at the record. Like, this is when you get into dangerous to- territory in this part of the season. You're playing really well as a team. You're in contention. And in comes this team that's got a little bit of firepower, and they're like an oddball. Like, you don't know what they are. Like, I don't know what the Detroit Lions mm-hmm. are, right? They look good one minute. They don't look good another minute. Um, I, I know they're a dome team, and they play in a lot of dome games, so I don't know if I like their chances. But, like, Giants can't sleep on this. You know what I mean? And, like, dude, I'm actually – you want to know why I'm excited for this game? I've never been able to see Amaran St. Brown play in person. I want to watch this man run routes, and I promise you my seats in Giant Stadium, Lou, I kid you not, are legitimately the last row in the top of the stadium. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I can stand up the entire game, and nobody can say anything to about me. I sit in the end zone, so I get to see everything open. So as a skilled position guy, they're on islands for me, right? And I get to watch it, and I'm actually – excited about it right like i i, I want to watch that unfold so just a little selfish plug for the fact that i'll be at this football game love it, you, love it. You, you know you and i never miss an opportunity to shout out the detroit lions yes all right lou we're gonna run through the schedule and yes. we're gonna get we're gonna keep moving so we didn't recap week nine together but based on the picks lou you were seven and six in week nine mm-hmm. i was eight and five in week 10 you were seven and seven I was six and eight. So I gave back the game that I made up and here we are. We sit in the same spot. We were coming out of week eight, uh, a five game buffer for you. Overall, you are 90 and 60. So you are plus 30. Wow. I am 85 and 65. Okay. So five games. Um, All right. Let me load the schedule. I'd mentioned before we begin on Thursday night, the Tennessee Titans at the green Bay Packers. All right, so for me, I'm going to go Packers. And the reason being, I'm hoping that this is the 
the turn of that Aaron Rodgers, like, relax. He's going to find his mojo. I also hate picking teams. This is – I'm giving you a little – a little thought process when I pick teams, especially for Thursday night games. I hate picking teams that have to go on the road and, and play t- you know, tough for a opponent. And yes, and I don't like that whatsoever. Titans are kind of banged up from a defensive standpoint. So I'm picking the Packers. Love it. We're different right out of the gate. I'm taking the Titans. I just think if I have to be a road team on a Thursday night game, what travels and what travels to cold weather, run game. Defense, smash mouth. I still think the Packers are trying to figure it out. I think the Titans are well aware of who they are and what they need to do to win football games. Um, I just think this is – Lou, I, I, I texted you this. I'm going to say it out loud right now, that if this spiral continues for Green Bay, and I do actually suspect that it will, you're going to hear a lot of rumors about number 12 – from the Packers, not number 12 from the Buccaneers. Is he the guy for San Francisco? Oh, like, God. you know, you, you hear this, bro. You hear this. Come on, dude. They've been saying about Brady. You, saying you about guys Brady cannot just, ha- you cannot, guys can just not have a normal. Like- no, we can't. We are the gift that keeps on giving. Lou, you have been forced and sucked into 49er social media. Am I, <laughs> am I am I crazy for saying no, that? No, it will, no, you're 100% right. Being brought to you by the guy, one thing, oh, by one, the way. One thing I think you're 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 incorrect about, I actually think it will be both t- number 12. I think the, yeah, both, both chatter. Yeah, yeah, yeah both yeah. chatter will be flirted with. Yeah, it's just they'll just be like in unison, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you, this is being brought to you by the guy, and I'm, this is where I'm keeping my receipts for a moment. Who told you back in November of last year that Jimmy G would probably still be on this roster? You did, you did. And also told you before anybody else told you, don't be surprised when everybody starts talking about it's time to trade Debo when receivers were at an all-time premium. And nobody cares about me because I'm not accredited. And I don't have a blue check mark, and no, I won't pay for it, Elon Musk. I don't care enough to do it. Like nobody cares, but it's it's now time dated and stamped when I'm saying this shit, right? Like yeah. as to when it comes out. All right, next game, the Chicago Bears at the Atlanta Falcons. You can take this one first, dude. It's hard for me to pick against Justin Fields right now. Like he is, is. playing football, man. Like and after seeing what it. happened with Atlanta too last, on last Thursday, I don't love what Justin like how he's doing it. But I love the end result. You know what I mean? It's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable brand of football. You and I have seen this this movie a million times. We know how it ends. But right now, he's playing winning football. I, I think his defense failed him against Detroit. I think he failed himself a little bit. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Chicago Bears on the road against the Falcons. Yeah, I, I do I do agree with that. Um I feel like the Falcons all sudden, you know, three or four weeks ago, I praise them. I feel like they're they hit reality, and I feel like they're starting. Mariota has plateaued. Their offense has yep. plateaued. The fact that it is so difficult to get the ball into one of their best playmakers' hands in Kyle Pitts uh, is mind-boggling, um, especially for an ailing offense. So I'm picking the Bears with you. All right. Browns at Bills. We'll do every other. You pick this one first. I'll pick next game first. We'll just go that route, all right? Oh, no. Lou, another internet issue. Wow. We're going to go out on a limb here, and we're talking football. He's going to text me in a minute, listeners. I promise. Um, 
maybe I should just conference them in on the phone. Uh, internet technology. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to go through and pick mine and I'm going to let him kind of pop in and see how this goes. Lou, are you there, sir? Are you there, sir? All good. All good. We're going to ride. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. When Lou comes back, we'll get an idea if we have to. We might about face and, and skip some things. Um, all right. The, the game after that is going to be Philadelphia at Indianapolis. I'm going to take the Eagles. I think they're going to bounce back after the loss. I don't think Jeff Saturday keeps it going. New York Jets at, at the New England Patriots. I'm going to go ahead and land on the Pats. You got the Los Angeles Rams at the New Orleans Saints. Wow, that, this one's tough. Hmm. I'm going to take the Saints. Lou's going to hate all of this, by the way. The Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. I'm going to take the G-Men. Yeah, Carolina Panthers at the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to take the Ravens. You have the Washington Commanders at Houston Texans. I'm going to take the Texans. All right, Lou. Yeah, we got to hurry this up because I keep on. Yeah. I'm carrying us right now, bro. I know, I know. I made picks because I didn't want dead air. And the so MVP, MVP performance. All right, so. All right. You're going to have to make picks, and then I'll tell you who I picked real quickly. So, okay. Cleveland Browns at the Buffalo Bills. Bills. I took Bills. Um, Philadelphia Eagles at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we went over how I'm not a believer in this Jeff Saturday. Congratulations. You get that trendy win against the Raiders. Back to reality. Eagles. Right. I took the Eagles. New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Oof. Give me Jets. I took don't, the pat. I took the Pats. Don't know why, but I'm just going Jets. All right. Um, Los Angeles Rams against the New Orleans Saints. It has to be the Saints. I, I took the like. Saints too. Yeah, I took the Saints. Um, G-Men uh, Lions at G-Men. I'm actually going Lions here. Wow. I felt like the, I felt like they struggled. The Giants struggled a little bit against Houston last week. You saw Dable get uh, a little frustrated. So I'm going. I'm going Lions here. I took G-Man because I'll be in the house. They okay. usually do win when I'm in the house. Um, Panthers at Ravens. Ravens. I'll just already stencil you in there. All right. Um, Commanders at Texans. Commanders. I took Texans. Okay. Um, I'm just – all right, and that's where I stopped. So um, that's when you pop right back in. So we got the Raiders at Broncos. I will be going Broncos. I will be going Broncos as well. For the mere fact that the Raiders are 0-5 on the road this year. And that Josh McDaniel should be fired already. Um, Cowboys at the Vikings. Um, I'm taking the Vikings. I'm just I, telling you. I'm just I, I I don't have faith in this Cowboys team. I'm gonna take the Cowboys. You had a the Vikings had an emotional win last week, right? Yeah. And um, I feel like that's good. And then the Cowboys had a little letdown. I think those things uh, transpire and carry over to this week. All right. Bengals, Steelers. Bengals. I'm Bengals, too. Um, Chiefs at Chargers. You, come on, Chiefs. Yeah, just the injuries are too much, man. They are. I am hoping for a good game. And then you got 
49ers at the Cardinals. 49ers. I'm taking the 49ers too. I do want to make a change because I felt like I was just in wow. Mexico City, by the yeah. way. At I'm making La, it La Azteca. I am making it I'm making a change. Even though the Jets are 4-0 on, on the road, I'm switching my answer to the Patriots. So bring me back to the Patriots on that one. Sorry about that. All good. All right. So we got them picked. We're good. All right. We'll see how we fare. I got to make up some games. And I think we got some different ones. We got one, we got three, or four. Two, three, four, four, four different ones. Okay. Opportunity on the horizon. God, please let me be right. All right, Lou, before your internet cuts out again, it's fantasy time. We didn't get to give advice. Trade deadlines are this week. I've been proposed some ridiculous trades that I just laugh at people. I don't like the trade. Lou knows this. He can attest to it. We danced with each other for like eight weeks around the trade one time, and we never made it. Backup players. It so. <laughs> is what it, I know, right? Like, weren't even people that were going to be in our rosters, and we couldn't agree on it. Lou, give me your, your uh, you know, your must play this week. If that's I got a couple. approaching it. Two players in Kansas City, Kadarius Tony versus the Chargers. I feel like because Juju mispracticed because of his concussion, MVS and Harvin both mispracticed today because of illness. If one or all three of those guys are out, I feel like he's going to get a boatload of targets, and he's had some time there in Kansas City to digest that offense. I think he could be in for the big game. And Isaiah Pacheco versus the Chargers. It's This is low-hanging fruit here. Chargers are ridiculously banged up interior uh, from the interior standpoint of their defense. Pacheco is a physical fast running back. I feel like he will really feast on that, even though they're not a rushing team. Uh, also look to last week when uh, Clyde Edward Hilaire only played 6% of the snaps. I still, I think Pacheco gets you like 80 yards and a touchdown here. Uh, and listen, Lou eats what he cooks, baby. Cause I'm in a league with him and he picked up Pacheco this week to play him. So I know that's a fact. I had Tony here as well. Um, like, listen, he made the most of his opportunities. I, I, I'm starting to feel like with Kansas City's offense, it's like the same way I feel about like Bill Belichick running backs. Like you never know who it's going to be like week to week. But um, you mentioned like the options are becoming limited, right? Like the reality is Juju probably is not playing, right? Yeah, like, I, feel like the, I feel like all of a sudden all those players will get healthy for the Chiefs. Yeah, it's just the way it happens, right? The league overlooks it. So I had Tony on my list too. Um, one for me is Christian Watson, actually. So the draft darling that everybody loved mm -hmm. coming out and was had a really shaky start, starting with like that opening drive, drop touchdown pass, and it went downhill. But he had a monster game last week against the Cowboys, and it just feels like Rodgers at this point in the season thinks even if it's one week of a sample size, found some chemistry with the wide receiver. And history will tell us that once he finds that chemistry. He'll continue to feed that beast and never look back. So this week, and maybe this week only, just from a pure target share perspective, I expect Christian Watson to be heavily involved in the game plan this week. Okay. I have two more. Let's go. Uh, Paris Campbell. He scored nine points or, or higher in four of his last five games. And um, in three of those games, he scored more than 18 points. And I feel a little more comfortable with Matt Ryan under center. Uh, could be garbage time against the Eagles. I'm all for garbage time. I don't discriminate. Uh, and last but not least, start a Ravens running back, whether it's Gus Edwards or Kenyon Drake. Carolina Either is, one. Yeah, they're, they're the sixth worst in fantasy against running backs. You saw what happened a couple of weeks ago with Joe Mixon. I feel like um, Baltimore is going to really run the ball towards the end of that game. Uh, 
there'll be no reason to throw it. I think it'll be out of hand. Yeah. Um, one for me too is Brian Robinson, running back from uh, Washington Commanders. I just listen. People drafted him. People loved him, right? Like good player, no doubt. But we're uncertain as to like what that injury. There's like no precedent recovering from gunshot wounds and coming back and playing in the NFL. But it just it's evident and obvious that they just want to force feed this guy the rock and just pound it. It was a winning formula against the top rated NFL team at that point in time. So for me, this is like he's on your roster. He's on somebody's roster, but like got to be played. This is all volume. He's going to be the number one the remainder of the season. Don't let the Antonio Gibson share fool you like in rushing downs. This is the guy might take a series off. The other one for me, too, is like Cordero Patterson. So I know, again, an obvious statement of the day, but had a really bust week. But Atlanta needs to, like, I know he flopped. He's coming off that injury. The, their backfield looks a little different. But do not sleep on that. This is a revenge game for Cordero Patterson, who donned a Chicago Bears uniform for a year in lieu we always hype up revenge games on the We're Talking Football pick. <laughs> Love me some revenge games. All right. You got anybody else? Or is that a wrap? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. So, listen, a little a couple technical difficulties. I don't MVP, it, though, Weston. Good job, man. Listen, it didn't affect the quality of the show whatsoever. Lou, this was some dynamite content tonight. Around a lot of topics that weren't selfish topics for us. So, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me. I'm proud of the We're Talking Football podcast and how we continue to progress. Did you just freeze? No, I didn't. I just <laughs> well played. Just a reminder, I'm gonna finish the way I started. Mr. Rich White, this this episode was dedicated to you, sir. We appreciate the fandom. We appreciate your support. Uh, we owe you a bottle of something. I, I almost said Dom P, but let's be real. You know, we, we ain't funded. I'm thinking, like I'm thinking about like Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a 20 ounce of Pepsi Cola with your name on it. I think, I think Rich is a Pepsi guy. Believe All right. Lou, I don't care what he is. I'll send him a, a week's worth of Pepsi Cola if that makes him happy. Uh, but Lou, as you always do, where can they find us, sir? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. And Wesson, hit us up with the YouTube. We're talking football. Hit the like, hit the subscribe. We need you, we rely on you. Lou wants that steak dinner. I haven't taken that off the table. We have. There we go. Got to eat. Do the Zeke. Keep feeding me. Keep feeding me. Um, seriously, guys, like this is good content, you know. Uh, give us give us a glimmer of time, a glimmer of hope, and we appreciate you for it. But, Lou, until next week, man, always a pleasure. Adios.